just in, scientists discover that Canadian bacon is actually ordinary ham. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer, TGIF, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour, always with the assistance and the welcome company of bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you today, sir? Doing awesome. Get get off there. Who sent you? Get off me right now. Got, ah, can't focus on my debate. You're going to have to just smack yourself in the head. <laughs> Out. There we go. I was kind Got of him. hoping the, the little devil inside me was saying, root for Kamala Harris to go, you know, you got a fly on your head. Let me, here, let me reach over the plexiglass. I'll help you with that. You know, shoot, so many shoot. people wanted it to happen too. <laughs> so bad. But you can't do that with six feet apart. The unexpected. So. You just never know. Yeah. And that's it. You know, I found that in life. We'll take this up with our honored guest <laughs> of the hour, Garnet Schulhauser. But, you know, you can do all you can do, and that's all you can do. And that's a kind of a homely philosophy of mine that I think still applies because I see so much evidence to support it. And that's something we're going to get into in the course of this hour, among many other things, because this is metaphysical Q&A. It's something we do with a, almost a glib facility. We're almost giddy when we have Garnet on the air because he drops into any place you open for him in a conversation and something metaphysical pops up. There you go. Why don't you give him his mad props? Let's bring this man on. All right. We'll get rocking and rolling. And Benny, always a pleasure to be working with you. Good to be back. Garnet Schulhauser is a retired lawyer. He's living the life near Victoria on Canada's beautiful Vancouver Island with his wife, Kathy, and little dog, Abby. After practicing corporate law for over 30 years in Calgary with two blue chip law firms, he retired in 2008, and his first book, Dancing on a Stamp, was published in 2012. Since the release of his first book, Garnet has been active with book signing tours and speaking engagements and has been interviewed now on over 150 radio talk shows. We have to keep updating the number. He keeps track very well. And these shows are broadcast from studios in the U.S., Canada, the United Kingdom, Ireland, and Australia. Whatever your accent, if you speak English, there's a good chance that you're going to have an encounter on the radio with our buddy Garnet Schulhauser. This is great to have such a widespread influence. Garnet Schulhauser, welcome to Manson Mitchell. Great to have you on again. Great to be here, and thanks for inviting me. We're looking at, at the world through a very funky lens, my friend. Uh, I watched the debate between the vice presidential candidates. Uh, we knew that in this conversation, I think uh, some consideration of politics domestic to the United States watched if not eagerly, then certainly anxiously by the rest of the world. With this going on, it's just strange in 2020. This is true perforce because of the pandemic. But also, politics bears little to no resemblance to the political process that I was taught when I was a kid learning civics. And man, you talk about an antiquated view. It's all I can do to catch my breath as I'm watching the news every news cycle. How is this affecting you? 
Well, uh, it, you know, I'm, I'm a Canadian citizen, so it doesn't directly impact me. But as you know, whatever happens in the U.S. and uh, whatever sort of president they elect really does affect Canada and the rest of the world. I mean, so we're all sort of watching here with, with bated breath, wondering what is going to happen. Um, and, uh, and, and so we're really quite concerned about it. And uh, uh, for the most part, people here, uh, when I talk to people in Canada, they're very much in favor of a change of administration. They just don't think the current one is uh, is good for America or good for the world, and so unfortunately we don't get to vote. Uh, and I can't speak for everyone, but I, just from the people I speak to, very much sort of a pro-democratic uh, contingency up here, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll just sit there and, and watch what happens on November third. Hopefully, there won't be any huge disruptions or riots or whatever else, uh, which would be bad news. But uh, you know, we're just going to have to watch like the rest of you. My understanding is that the border is still closed, Garnet. Do you ever have an opportunity to cross into the United States, or are you aware that uh, you don't want to go either way at this point? Well, as far as I know, it still is closed. Uh, and, and so okay. unless you're uh, what's considered an essential service personnel, then you don't get across. And, and that's, that's still the way, the same way I expect it. It will last at least until the end of the year, maybe past that. And there's just really good reason, because the the infection rate in the U.S. is much higher per capita than in Canada. And so from our perspective, our prime minister is saying, well, let's not let the, the, the Americans into Canada yet, and we won't let our people go into the U.S. Let's try to put a lid on this thing. So how long that lasts, I don't know. But frankly, if the border was open, I'd be reluctant to, to travel to your country just because I think it's a greater risk of catching the, the COVID-19. Well, I can't blame you there. Um, I was going to ask you um, if you had watched either of the two debates, either between the presidential candidates or the vice presidential candidates, because um, I know, as you said, you know, a lot of the world is wondering what is going on here. Um, did you happen to see either one of those two? I saw the presidential debate, or at least I saw probably two-thirds of it, and then that's I got so turned off, I had to change channels because it wasn't a, a very uh, happy spectacle. In fact, it was a big embarrassment, embarrassment to yes. the whole country. Uh, and yeah. uh, I'm sure the rest of the people in the world were thinking the same thing, like, what is going on? What's happening in America? Um, and I didn't catch the uh, vice presidential debate because I had another event on. But I understand that it was a lot calmer and, and, and made more sense than the presidential debate, which is not surprising. But I think that uh, and, and the other good news, I think, from my perspective, is that it, it seems like the next debate or the next two of the of, of the presidential candidates are probably not going to happen. And I think that's fine because I just think America doesn't need any more embarrassment. Well, I couldn't agree with you more there. This was all leading to something that, that Gary and I were talking about earlier that I wanted to run by you. I was saying to Gary, both you and Gary are gentlemen. And, you know, from that standpoint, um, you're not, uh, uh, you know, screaming and yelling like a couple of apes or a couple of white supremacists running around trying to, um, you know, put together your guns and take over the United States. But do you think this testosterone-based kind of thinking from a metaphysical point of view. Do you think it's on its way out so that gentlemen and gentlewomen can have a more um, a more uh, 
polite conversation. Do you get the sense this is the last gasp of this kind of thinking and acting? Yeah, that's my my take on it. I think this is sort of a, you might say, the absolute low point in in American history, which can change in November um, and and, and have the country turn the corner and get back onto a path of more gentlemanly behavior, as you say. And 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 so it's bound to happen. In, In fact, when you look at it, you, you can't, it's hard to imagine it could get any worse than it is right now. So, so there's nowhere to go but up. It will happen. Um, and uh, you know, my spirit guide Albert says, "Look at, keep your chin up. Things, uh, th- things will get better. Uh, this is not the end of the world. And uh, you know, the, the the political climate will change. The pandemic will eventually disappear. Um, not before a bunch of other people and have, have gotten ill and and died from it. But but it will pass and things will." turn out better and uh um and i just think it's a good thing that we move forward that way i mean the real the, the real reason that we have so much uh, disorderly conduct and so much strife and, and stress as i said before in the show is that too many people let their negative emotions get out of control um, and they don't embrace enough love and compassion so that's the direction we have to move i mean that that's why gary and i are more gentlemanly because we understand the nature of the human journey and and the fact that uh that having you know, fostering fear, anger, and hate, and greed, and that sort of thing, will lead to nothing but disaster. And so, if you discard or stifle those emotions, then you can move forward and understand that being gentlemanly or uh, kind towards someone else is just a, an expression of love that we have for other people, which we should have. We should love all the other people in our in humankind and all the animals, and especially love our dear planet. And so that's where we have to move, and I think that we are moving that direction. I value you for many things, Garnet, but no, no more in any other way than your optimism. You do see the sunny side, and I think you do it without putting on rose-colored glasses because you're a person of deliberation. You made your living being a man who looks at the law, looks at trends, is able to extrapolate and draw reason conclusions. So I'm going to put my betting money on your point of view. Sometimes it's Hard to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel beyond what we hope is not an oncoming train, right? But we'll see what happens with all of that. Right now, when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to see clearly at all because these are just times that defy reasonable people to find a way through a morass of unreasonableness. You talk about the sleep of reason. There are a lot of us, myself included, who wonder if maybe it's on life support. So I'm going to have to borrow some of your optimism. Suzanne. Yes, I wanted to ask you, Garnet, I I have been thinking about this and I've been hearing some about this, that the trend in the United States has really been going on for some time, perhaps 50 or 60 years, that it has been trending in this direction and as we're talking now, it's kind of hit a low point as far as being uncivil. I'd like you to compare that or contrast that, if you would, with what you feel has been going on in Canada during that same period of time. Do you have the same issues in Canada that we have here, or do you feel like um, things like you know equality and and health and things like that are on a much different trajectory from what has been south of your border. Yeah, we have we have some of the same difficulties as the as the U.S., but they're not 
nearly as uh, as prominent as they are in your country. So there is some systemic racism in Canada with our indigenous people. Um, we don't have a lot of uh, black people, uh, so that's not really a factor. But there is some of that, and there then occasionally our police, or some of them, will go off uh, off the track and and uh, kill or harm somebody in their custody. It does happen, but it's not as frequent as the U.S. And, and I think that, uh, for one thing, we don't have the, the battle here over health care that you guys have there. I mean, we've had a universal health care system sponsored by the government for many years, so that's not even an issue. That, that never really comes up in, in elections. Uh, but that's one of the big issues I can see in, 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 in the U.S. Is with the, the health care. Is, is, is it going to be, is Obamacare going to be terminated? Is there going to be a new replacement for it? Is it going to be better? Um, you know, is, is it, uh, uh, are the left side of the Democratic Party are they going to propose something too radical that causes the the you know the next election down the road perhaps for them to lose it? It's really hard to know, but we don't have that argument here in Canada. Um, and, and I have to say, um, I, I'm not a, a super big fan of our prime minister, but I think he did a very much better job in dealing with the pandemic in terms of of telling the people here the truth be frank with them, and then taking you know, the, the coordinated action with the provinces to try to get out uh, PPE and, and other equipment and, 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 uh, and deal with them in terms of the lockdowns and, the, and then the reopenings and so on. So I think uh, we've done a lot better. Um, uh, you, you know, other countries have, have struggled more so, the U.S., the U.K., uh, but I think we're in the, in the camp of the countries that have done much better. And, and I think part of the reason is that Canadians are just much more uh, compliant with the uh, with government orders and health regulations, so, so you don't have the same sort of rebellion here um, as in the U.S. against the lockdowns and shutting down the country and so on. So, so I think we're we're better off in that sense, and I'm thankful for that. But I really hope that things can really turn around in your country, and I think they will. Do you do you have groups like we have here of white supremacists in Canada? Not as not as such. I mean, there may be some, but they have no prominence. They're not a big factor. Uh, nobody really we don't really talk about them up here because I don't think they're very very prominent. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are some people who think like the, the white supremacists in your country, but there's just not a, a, a real big movement here, so we don't have that problem. And furthermore, because of our gun control laws, you won't find a crowd of uh, you know self-proclaimed militia walking through the streets bearing you know assault rifles and so on. That just wouldn't happen here. So that, that takes away some of the steam from those groups should they decide to, to move forward. But we're just much more docile, compliant, middle-of-the-road kind of uh, people here. And pragmatic, too. One of the things I love about the Canadian personality writ large, because you are entitled to be individuals there, but when I look at, at Canada as a nation and Canadians as a people, I just love, in fact, I'll take an example of this. I'm going, here's a tiny bit of, of modern Canadian history that I happen to know. There was a phrase in the politics, we're talking about the current Canadian prime minister's father. He was as close as I've ever seen to a philosopher king uh, operating the, the levers of government in an industrialized nation. It's hard to come up with a parallel. But when I think about, uh, about Pierre Trudeau, I think of a man who was so inspiring and got people so excited back in the day, and we're talking about the mid-60s, a lot of excitement and a lot of pandemonium around the world then, that's for sure. 
the world had Beatlemania and Canada had its share of it, but they also had Trudeau mania. And when that was going on, those were those people who were excited backed their candidate. They were wild for Pierre Trudeau. And he, his rallying cry was, you just watch me. And the people who looked at that askance in Canada came up with the term Trudeau mania, not as an encomium, not to honor the candidate and the prime minister. They saw that as a lack of good sense. Trudeau mania was a bit of an, if not an insult, at least a rebuff. And I'm sure you remember this, Garnet, that Trudeau mania was, you know, your approach lacks sense. And that is the practicality, the pragmatism in the Canadian spirit that appeals to me because it's good to be optimistic, but it's good to be practical so that you keep your wits about you. I think that is essentially Canadian. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Gary. And, and I do remember Trudeau mania very well. Um, and it did sort of take the country by storm. That doesn't happen very often. But, but it, it, the, the good thing was that, that, that he, uh, Pierre Trudeau was not a white supremacist. He wasn't a racist. So he was very much of a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. And, and he just had a lot of charisma and sex appeal. And so I think that's where that started from. I mean, we soon found out that he was not no paragon of virtue after he became prime minister. But during Trudeau mania, that was, uh, that was a big factor for sure. And, and, and in America, there's almost a, um, a similar following with President Trump, except it's on the right-wing side of the of the spectrum, and 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 the concern from for a lot of people in the world is that that group is more prone to be violent and take things into their own hands, like sort of vigilante justice, which which was never a concern with Trudeau mania. So, um, yeah, we are different. I, I think hopefully for the better, but you know we, we we cast our eyes south of the border very warily to find out what to, or try to predict what's going to happen in the election, and and uh, hopefully it'll all turn out. And you know my my. Your guide, Albert, says, yes, it will. No matter what happens, uh, everyone will get through this and will come out the other end uh, through, the, through the light at the end of the tunnel, and things will be better than they were before. And in terms of the pandemic, I just want to, get, uh, if I may comment on that. Um, Please. I had a conversation recently with Albert, and uh, we were talking about uh, the state of the world affairs and what's going on in America. And he said that uh, Gaia, who is the consciousness of Mother Earth, as becoming more and more frustrated with what's going on in, in, the, in the world in terms of pollution and uh, uh, humans not paying enough attention to what they're doing to their planet. And so uh, she, she's been doing, working on sort of two fronts. First one is just increasing some of the natural disasters that are happening in our planet. Uh, look at all the hurricanes in the, in the, in the, in the, to the south to the east of the U.S. that are happening. And, and we're still early in the season, and there's probably going to be a lot more. So the number and intensity of those has really gone up. Uh, the wildfires on the west coast of California, that's all part of, uh, of uh, the climate change. And Gaia is basically sending us a wake-up call to say, look, at, uh, these things are getting worse. If you guys don't turn the corner and start changing your views on, on pollution, you're going to end up uh, having to suffer through more of this. The pandemic is another thing that Gaia has unleashed. And she did this for two reasons. First of all, um, during the lockdowns a few months back in the spring, um, there was a lot of uh, people see a lot of changes in the atmosphere because of, of uh, less uh, vehicles burning fossil fuels. Uh, I read a report that the air over Los Angeles was the clearest that they'd, they'd seen it in years. There wasn't much smog. Uh, the uh, Someone published a report saying that for the first time in a lot of years, you could see the pyramids from Cairo. 
Um, the canals in Venice uh, were much clearer, and people could actually see dolphins swimming in the canals. So those are all effects of, of, a, of, of a scale down, a lockdown on the fossil fuels that we burn. So Guy is trying to say, look, at, I'm just going to give you a glimpse of what happens if we curtail the, the, the pollution that we usually spew into the atmosphere. So here's what it looked like. Now that you see this, do you want to go back to that or at least try to move back towards having uh, a lot less pollution? And, and so that will spur things on, like um, alternate sources of power, electric vehicles, that kind of thing. So that was one of the things she wanted to say. The other one, which a lot of people um, will, will disagree with, is that she knows that there's an election in the U.S., and she knew that uh, in the absence of, of a black swan event like the pandemic, uh, there was a very good chance that the current administration would get reelected. And the current administration is a climate change denier. And that's not good for Gaia. She wants an administration that can recognize climate change and try to strive to do something to take care of it. And so uh, the pandemic is really a way of, of, of trying to change the administration in the U.S., uh, by letting people see what happens when there is less pollution uh, and, 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 and making sure that because of the, uh, what's happening with the pandemic that they will change the regime to uh, the one that has uh, uh, goals to try to stymie climate change rather than deny it. So the people may say, well, well, that's not her role. She considers her role to be doing whatever is necessary to make sure that her planet, her ecosystem, is, is fresh and clean balanced and not subject to so much pollution. So that's what she's been doing. I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail for that. You know, in the beginning of this year, um, Gary felt um, that there was better than a 50-50 chance that um, our president would be reelected. And so even though what you're saying might sound like out-of-the-box kind of thinking... It is interesting that that conversation is no longer occurring here. The conversation of he is likely to be reelected. You know, what will they, we can't believe the polls because the polls last time put Hillary Clinton so far ahead and Donald Trump still won with the Electoral College. So people here are saying we can't believe the polls, we can't believe the good news. Um, you know, we're likely going to have four more years of the same thing. And it has only been since all of these natural disasters and the pandemic that the conversation has switched to such a degree, Garnet, that most people believe that um, Joe Biden will win the election. And that was not how this year started out. So, you know, how these things all fit in the matrix, I couldn't say. But it is interesting how things have shifted from the beginning of the year until now. So I would be hard-pressed to, to say, you know, you're too far out on a skinny branch. You know, maybe the Earth does want to have some say-so in how we're doing things. Absolutely. You know, when you look back at, say, January, early February, before the pandemic hit, the U.S. economy was just firing in all cylinders. Like the unemployment rate was like 3.8 percent. It was just booming. And of course, if the pandemic hadn't hit, uh, the economy would still be booming, and that would uh, bode well for the re-election of, of President Trump. So the pandemic has really thrown a, a, a monkey wrench into it because a lot of people are unhappy with the response of the, the administration. 
and uh, the economy has suffered because of that. And, and uh, the usual rule is that an incumbent president will get reelected if the economy is strong, and not get elected, reelected if it's if it's poor. So um, you know, the guy knows what she's doing, and and, and it was very. And when you think about it, the timing was almost perfect from her perspective to try to get this pandemic and 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 the economy to uh, to grind down just before the, uh, the election in November. So, uh, you know, I, people can say that I'm crazy, maybe I am, but that's the message I'm getting from my spirit guide, Albert, in terms of what Gaia is doing and trying to do. You know, I want to say something about the economy here, because I think that there is um, uh, a lot of uh, obfuscation, for lack of a better word, between the economy and the stock market. The stock market was definitely going up. Most people were not necessarily feeling like it was a good economy, other than the fact that they held one or two jobs to try and meet their bills. And there wasn't any money left over. So again, it's a matter of the income inequality where the stock market is soaring and the people at the top are doing very well, but it's on the backs of a lot of workers who weren't doing nearly as well. Then you throw all those people out of work and you say, you know, now the economy is in a tailspin, now the economy is bad, and the stock market has continued to go up. So the stock market is doing just fine, but that's a tiny sliver and I don't want to say the stock market and the economy equal one another because they really don't. And because of our severe income inequality, we have a few, the rich are doing better than ever. But everybody in the bottom two thirds are probably doing not as well, maybe as their parents did. But I think that's what you just said is very true. But, but, but the bottom two-thirds who aren't doing as well, they know that they're not doing that well. And, and so they're not going to look at the stock market and say, well, look at that, it's doing great, so I'm great too. I mean, the, the people at the top are the ones who own most of the stock, as you said. And, and, but, but the people down at the, in the bottom two-thirds, they know exactly what's happening. They've been laid off, they've lost their job, their business has gone under. Um, and, and, and so that, for them, they know the economy is not that strong despite all the statements out of the White House that it's just doing very well, I mean, it, which is nothing new because those kinds of statements have been coming out ever since uh, 2016. So I, so I think that uh, the people, when they get, you know, when you get down to the grassroots, there's going to be a lot of people who say this economy is not good uh, and that the administration didn't act as swiftly as they could have uh, in terms of the, of the pandemic, and now here we are, and so that's what they're looking at when they go into the voting booth. So it doesn't it doesn't bode well, um, and you know, and the stock market is completely disconnected from the economy. It's a bubble, and eventually all bubbles burst. I mean, whether it be the dot com bubble of 2000 or uh, you know the tulip bubble of uh, of uh, of Holland years ago, uh, bubbles are bubbles. They always develop, but when, but eventually the the, the the pin hits the outer skin of the bubble, it bursts and and down it goes. So uh, eventually the economy and the stock market will come together in a more a rational kind of uh, uh, sense and, 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 and not be so distorted in terms of the stock market. We are at the bottom of the hour. Let's go ahead and take our brief break, the only one of the hour. We are talking with our buddy, Garnet Schulhauser.
north of us in a beautiful part of the world, the most temperate climate, as a matter of fact, in all of Canada. He found that and is living the good life. Good for him and good for us. We get to talk to him for a full hour. Give us a couple of minutes more of Manson Mitchell on the other side of this break. You are tuned into Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. We all make promises, big and small, tested over time and distance, tried by circumstances and decisions. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to bear true faith and allegiance. To help you when you're in need. To tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. To be considerate and caring Courageous and strong. For better. For worse. In sickness and in health. To love and cherish. To be your loving, faithful friend. Partner. Child. Parent. Neighbor. One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran going through a difficult time by visiting maketheconnection.net. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed back Garnet Schulhauser from Victoria, B.C. for what we call a little metaphysical Q&A. On Saturday, Kelly Sullivan Walden, the Dream Doctor, shows how dreams take us step by step on a hero's journey. Bringing you fascinating talk one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Life is so strange When you don't know How can you tell Where you're going to You can't be sure Of any situation Something could change And then you won't die 
Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Garnet Schollhauser. Garnet, you have a number of books of which Gary and I have read, but I would like to let our listeners know about your website, your books, if they'd like to get in touch with you. How would they do all that? Where would they find you on the interwebs? Best place is my website, which is garnetschulhauser.com. Um, if that's not easy to remember, you can just uh, Google Dancing on a Stamp or any of my book titles. I've written five, four books that have been published, Dancing on a Stamp, Dancing Forever with Spirit, Dance of Eternal Rapture, and, 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 and Dance of Heavenly Bliss. And I've finished my fifth book, which is in the process of being published, so it'll be out sometime in 2021. Uh, so anyway, on my website, I have information about all my books. Uh, you can dial into all my social media sites like Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. There are buy links there to get you to all the online stores where you can just click on it to buy my books. Um, and uh, my email address is in my website. Uh, if anyone wants to contact me, they can certainly do so. I welcome comments and questions. And all of my radio show interviews are on my website as well. So I have the recordings for all of them. You can just dial into any of them that I've done over the past number of years. And I think this is number 158 for me. So look forward to hearing from your, your listeners. Very good. Thank you for doing that. Well, we're looking. Uh, let me ask you this. This I don't think I've ever asked you this. I'm going to get a little bit paranormal here with you, Garnet. You're a a vigorously trained lawyer, greatly experienced, now retired from the profession. Your mind has been honed to look for the facts, to interpret them, to derive conclusions. Uh, I think you're probably a great guy around the syllogism. You really know what you're talking about. But you had an experience with Albert in the form of an elderly homeless man. And you've told that story a few times on our program. What I'm curious to know is in addition to that, because you had had that experience, whether you had it or it had you, it was visited upon you, however you want to term it. Have you ever seen anything that indicated to you the reality of consciousness surviving the death of the body? The, the uh, dime store way of asking it is, have you seen a ghost? Have you encountered anything that tells you with certainty that there is more to life than what we experience in these bodies and that when we lay these bodies down at last, we don't get extinguished. We move on to another dimension of life. Yeah, I mean, no, I've never had any doubt about it. I mean, when I first met Albert, of course, he disclosed all this to me. But where what really opened my eyes was when I went on the... Uh, series of astral trips with him where he would come into my bedroom and take me my astral body and away we go. That's what really hit home because he uh, took me to the spirit side. There I had a welcoming party uh, consisting of my mother and father and brother and other relatives who had predeceased me. They were all there just wrapping their arms around me and giving me uh, uh, pure unconditional love. That told me for sure that, I, that my loved ones were alive and well and they were over there on the spirit side. But I've talked to many uh, different spirits over there, some famous people, some just very ordinary people, and they tell me the story about their transition, about how when, when their physical body dies, they, just, they, they leave their body, they're greeted by their spirit guides who basically take them by the hand and uh, transition them over to the spirit side. And, uh, yeah, I have seen, on my travels with Albert, I have seen a ghost. He took me to a, a haunted uh, uh, mansion in England one time, uh, and there, there was a spirit there who was basically haunting the house because she had been murdered by a burglar a number of years ago, and she sort of refused to acknowledge that she had, her physical body had died, so she thought she was still alive. 
Albert says that happens. Most of the so-called ghosts that people encounter are just spirits who are temporarily confused, uh, don't really realize they've been dead or don't want to acknowledge that they've been dead, um, and so they kind of just hang around, uh, and they like to, to, to make themselves aware to people by you know banging on doors and flicking lights on and off and, and uh, making footsteps where there's nobody around, that kind of thing. They're just, in most cases, they're just trying to get some attention. In some cases, trying to scare people out of their house because they view these people in their house as being intruders. Um, so I basically saw one of those spirits, and then Albert says they're never left to sort of wander around aimlessly for long, but the guides will always come and guide them away back to the spirit side and, and, and help them realize that, okay, your physical body is dead, you're an eternal soul, so come with us and we'll go back home. And, and, and so um, I, I've never had any doubt about that. I mean, all you need to do is, is, is have a remember an astral trip to the spirit side once, and that just sort of permeates your whole, your whole philosophy, your whole being, because you know that because you've seen it firsthand, you've experienced the unconditional love, and you know that that's where you're going when your physical body dies. And so very comforting, and I've never had any doubt about it since then. Garnet, I think you anticipated my next question before I had a chance to ask it. But I wanted to, Gary was talking about your training as a lawyer and then this unbelievable shift that you had as a result of meeting Albert. Before you met Albert, would you consider that you would have been open to other realms and other worlds and uh, another way of being in the world? And the all things metaphysical or as your successful corporate lawyer, would you have thought all of that was pretty ridiculous? Well, I think I was I was certainly open to, to anything, and I hadn't really thought about much about the, the, the spiritual world or metaphysical happenings. Um, I'd been raised as a Roman Catholic, but I had long since rejected all that stuff. Uh, so I was really in no man's land searching for another paradigm to latch on to. Um, and, and, and so, but I, I wasn't aware of things like I didn't even know I had a spirit guide. Uh, I wasn't sure really what happened when we died. Um, intuitively, I thought we must go on; it can't just all end. But I didn't really know the mechanics of it, or was it true? Was I was just making this up to, to, to feel better? Um, so when Albert came along, um, I, I quite I was quite open to him. I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that, that within the first five minutes, when you when I talked to Albert, you knew that he was the genuine thing. Um, that it, 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 that he was who he said he was, and then what he's telling me was the truth. And so that just all resonated with me. I've never had any doubt about what he told, what he told me then or what he since told me. Um, and I just think that it, it all just makes sense. It all fits together because I because in my mind I have to have a, a system a, a belief system about where I am and what's happening on this planet. And I had none before. And now he sort of filled in all the gaps and said, "This is what's going on." And so a huge transformation. I and I look at. The, the world, I look at people in the world much differently. I look at animals much differently um, because I know that uh, uh, you know one of the things that Albert has told me is that animals deserve our dignity and, and, and respect and to be treated in, in, a, in a kind and, uh, and, and non-abusive manner. And, and so I firmly believe that. And, I, and so I look at animals much differently. Uh, and I look at our planet much differently when I realize that our planet has a consciousness and she's trying very hard to make sure that uh, the pollution that we generate is somehow curtailed. Um, and, and, and so uh, it, it's just a whole new world of beliefs, uh, things that I never thought of before. When I was practicing law, it was kind of like, okay, 
Um, I'm thinking about the file I'm working on or the next file that's coming along. Um, but now I, I, now I think about uh, worldly things, metaphysical things, um, and it's just a much happier existence. I'm, I'm curious about this idea of the fact that you may have questioned things somewhat or had been open to, you know, uh, the metaphysical world before you met Albert, you were open, you know, well, I wonder about this or I wonder about that. But one of the things Gary and I were talking about before, um, when, as we were doing our, our show preparation, is we were talking about people being hardwired to stick to a position. And it doesn't sound like you were in a in stuck in a position before you met Albert, where you said, I know what the world is like, this is what it's like, and that's it. It sounds like you were open to what else is there and then albert showed you what else is there but but i'm i'm our conversation this morning between you know gary and i had to do with you know why is it that some people will stick to a position and they are not open to anything else you could have had any number of people seeing albert not talking to him passing him by never understanding that here was a portal to a whole other realm and a whole other way of being. What happens now when you come across those people who are hardwired for not believing anything that they just can't see or, or sense with their five senses? Yeah, I'm not sure why people take, uh, have those positions, Suzanne, uh, and I think it's just unfortunate because we had if more people in the world who were more flexible and more open-minded about other things, I think we'd get along much better. Um, but, but, you know, when I run across people who just, despite what they can, they can read my books and they can hear me talk, and then they, can, they, they still dig the heels in and say, no, I'm, uh, I think you're wrong. I mean, I have people send me emails that say I'm, uh, you know, I'm full of, of hooey and I'm going to go to hell, that kind of thing. Um, when I run into those people, I don't really, there's no point in arguing with them. Um, you know, I can just lay out to them what Albert has revealed to me, and then they can choose to believe it or not. And I just say, you know, believe whatever makes sense to you. Hold, hold both beliefs up to the light and see if there's any holes in it, and then pick the one that you want. Um, you know, I'm not really trying to convert people to, to, to what Albert tells me. I'm just laying it out there. Hopefully they'll gain something from it, but if they don't, that's fine. And what I say to those people is that you can believe whatever you want, um, but at the end of the day, when they're both dead, We'll both know then who was telling the truth. So if you don't want to accept it now, you'll you'll figure it out after you die. You've said something like that as well, Gary, about people who don't believe in an afterlife. <laughs> yeah, you know, you have a surprise in store, in my opinion. However, I frequently like to look at it as a a, a scale for balancing my own perspective on the possibility of an afterlife, Garnet. And when I do that my train of thought is something like if the worst thing that happens to a person to any of us is we die and then we don't know that we're dead and i don't mean we're earthbound spirits i mean we're dead extinguished blown out like a candle if that turns out to be the case i've kind of and this is you know i'm now well into my 60s so i've i've had time to think about this if that turns out to be the case i've decided i'm okay with it 
there wouldn't be any profit not being okay with it if that's the way it works. I believe that our consciousness survives the death of our bodies and that we enter another dimension known popularly as the other side where we continue to grow and learn and relate to our loved ones and meet other spirits and maybe even come back and do it again, hopefully better than we did it last time. That's my aspirational side talking. But if it turns out philosophically that when we die, we simply exit the biosphere I'm okay with that now. I'm at peace with it because I figure I'm going to not have the opportunity to come back and do the things that I didn't do right or to do new things and meet new people, have new joys, new adventures. But when you're truly dead, you don't know about any of that. You're extinguished. So my regrets and my sense of failure in this or that capacity dies with my body, and I don't need to worry about that anymore. All worry, as all life, ceases. If that's the worst we can say about human sentience, then I'm okay with that. But my betting money is still on the idea that we survive the death of our bodies and we don't get off so easy. It's not one and done. We evolve as souls and we are spirits living now in the material world, but then in the immaterial world, that's where we acquire a much wider perspective than being in these bodies will allow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you're quite, uh, you're quite brave to have uh, dealt with that issue, uh, Gary, in terms of, of saying, if, I just, if I'm extinguished when I die, that, that's it. Um, a lot of people, that's very, for a lot of people, it's a very frightening, a very frightening thought. But having said that... <clears throat> I can assure you, Gary, that that's not the case. That when you physical, when your physical body dies, that your your spirit, your soul, will leave, go back to the spirit side, and that you'll be in a in a wonderful place where you can be rejoined with all your loved ones who have predeceased you, where you can have a life review to go back over what you've just done and lived, and figure out the sort of the good things and the bad things you did, and then you can make a decision: Do I want to come back to planet Earth, or do I want to stay in the spirit side, or do I want to go somewhere else? And so that's the, that, that's the reality of it, which should give everyone a lot of <clears throat> excuse me a lot of comfort. Uh, certainly does for me anyway. For me, it would be a very scary thought to think that that, that when I die, the candle's blown out and that's it. But as you said, if that does happen, I'm not going to be able to. I'm not going to be conscious enough to be able to realize that that's a bad thing because I'll, I'll cease to exist. But that's not going to happen because I'm very firmly convinced that we have a life after our physical bodies die. And that we'll carry on, and 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 we'll, we'll look back at this life as being a brief adventure in a tough school called Earth. Uh, and hopefully, we've uh, we've learned the lessons and faced the challenges, met the challenges that we hope to achieve when we uh, before we were born. And so that's what we're all here for. Fortunately, we don't know exactly what it was that we planned in our life plan, and that's by design. But we'll try to flounder our way through life here and make the best of it. And at the end of the day doesn't matter how many mistakes you make, uh, you're still going back to a lovely place on the other side. So, so it, it is good. It, it, you have to really, as Edward said, look at this as an adventure uh, that you're having and knowing that the adventure will end eventually and you'll be back home among your friends and family and you can plan your next move. Garnet, in your conversations or your travels with Albert, have you looked at any other lives that you've lived? Yeah, I have seen. He showed me a few previous lives in the Akashic records, and I and I described them. And I think in my second book, um, it, but but it's just sort of snippets of it. It's just uh, it's different, you know. And, and 
one life I was in the, in, in the medieval England, uh, and I was uh, I stole some rotting apples from a from a, a house of a, a, a big house, a mansion, and they caught me, and they I, and they hung me for it. In those days, you could get hung for petty theft. Um, you know, in another case, I was a I was a gambler in the Wild West in Wyoming, and uh, got into a, a poker match, a, a beat uh, a, another guy who who basically had basically squandered all of his all of his living money on the on the poker table, lost it, accused me of cheating, and um, I ended up uh, getting into a duel with him and and shooting him because I was a much better marksman. So those things kind of in that sense. That was kind of showing me how how pride, false pride, can really uh, cause people to go off track. Um, so there's a number of other little snippets I got of previous lives. Um, Albert and I have had uh, a few lives together where we were both incarnated on planet Earth. Um, so it was uh, it, it, it's really quite amazing when you see it because you can see all of the all the things that happen uh, when you, when you go into the cache of records. You can actually not only watch what's going on, but you can uh, hear the thoughts and feel the feelings, the emotions of the people you interact with. So it's a very much of a, of a, of a learning kind of thing uh, to make you realize that when you do things on Earth, you have to be careful of what you do and what you say because it may, take, it may offend other people, it may hurt them, even where you don't intend to. So it, those are all very uh, good learning experiences. And, and Albert says, you know, when I cross back over, uh, uh, when I leave my physical body, he says, you can spend as much time as you want looking at all of your lives. You can look at everybody else's life, uh, so you, you can get the whole picture. Because there's no time on the spirit side, no deadline, no linear time, so that you can spend as much time as you want. So I, I, I stopped a few of my of my previous lives. Uh, in some cases, I was good. Some cases, I was bad. Most of us had uh, who've been on Earth for a while have probably had a number of lives where we did some very awful things. Also, we may have done some very good things. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons that we're all here taking another spin on this planet is because we want to sort of improve ourselves to try to uh, do better uh, and, 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 and grow and evolve in a positive way uh, and, and try to change some of the bad things we may have done in previous lives. So, um, so seeing snippets of your life, very useful, um, and you guys will all get that chance when you cross over to the, to the spirit side. We spoke to a woman one time who said that we, um, as spirits, we want to experience as much as we can or as much as we desire, and, it's, and it is both good and bad, so that in one lifetime we might be an abuser, and in another lifetime we might be the abused. In some cases, the perpetrator; in other cases, the victim, and that that may be part of our choice, part of our life plan. If if we have been a, a victim, we might say, um, you know, I wonder what it's like being the uh, the perpetrator, the abuser, and so we might actually choose to have that experience. Does that correlate with what you might know from Albert that? we would look for both black and white experiences to just know what they are and to feel them? Yeah, absolutely, Suzanne. It happens a lot. It's like you say that if, if a, a person, a soul, has had led a, a fairly abusive life on, uh, you know, in, on Earth as a human, when they get to the other side and they see what they've done, quite often they will make a, a choice to say, 
okay, in next life on planet Earth, I want to be the victim because I want to know what it's like to experience the abuse that I inflicted on people in my last life because that's a complete soul cycle. You get a better understanding. In fact, in uh, Dolores Cannon, who's, who, uh, who's the founder of my publishing company, in one of her hypnotic sessions, um, she had a, a client who had been uh, blind since birth. Um, and uh, so when they drilled down and got in contact with her higher self, um, the question was, why is she blind since birth? The answer was that because in her previous life, or one of her previous lives, she had been a horrible tyrant who liked to poke out the eyes of her prisoners. And so in this next life, she says, well, I want to see what it's like to be blind. And so she chose to be blind by birth. So that happens a lot. And, and of course, if you're, if you're coming here to earth and, and planning to be on the receiving end of abuse, you, of course, have to get another soul to be the giver of that. And so you have to enroll somebody from your soul group and, and say, okay, I want you to be, you know, my father, and I'm going to be the abused child. And so the, the, the soul to be the father has to agree to do that. So in some cases, that kind of violence is pre-planned, an agreement between the two souls before they're incarnated. But you're right, souls will like to have the contrast, um, you know, especially if they've done some really bad things. They'd like to go back and say, okay, I'm going to be a, a, a super good soul, or I'm going to be on the receiving end because I want to understand exactly what it's like to be abused. So you're, you're absolutely dead right to that. And we're under two minutes now, Garnet, but let me just ask you this. As far as you can tell, you're explaining it one way, but where does the law of karma fit in? Because I know that I don't want to go and be the recipient of abuse in another body at another time. That doesn't sound like fun at all. But if there is the law of karma involved, it might be that I need to balance the scales in terms of my own predilections, my own behavior, so that if there's a tendency in a, in a given direction, it's out of a fundamental sense of balance and fairness. Yeah, that's exactly right. You see, the law of karma, some people envision that as being a, like a law of the universe, so that if you do something bad in this life and accumulate negative karma, then you have to come back and try to uh, you know, fix it either by being on the receiving end or the other way of balancing out negative karma is to uh, have somebody who just does really good community work, really positive things, so you can balance it out that way. But it's not a law that says you have to do that. So when you finish a life and you have negative karma from the previous life or, or carried over from previous five lives, um, it, no one says you have to clean the slate, but it's like a moral imperative for souls. Every soul thinks, well, I don't want to leave that school and leave behind a bunch of negative karma, so I'm going to go and try to fix it. And so it's really a soul's choice, um, but, and nobody makes them do it. But most souls will choose to do that because it's the right thing to do. But horribly fed up with, uh, with life on Earth, you can resolve to not go back there, even if you have negative karma, and try to okay. balance things off by doing other things. That's where we'll picture. start next time, Garnet. We have run out of time, but now I know what question one will be <laughs> when we meet up again for another edition of Metaphysical Q&A. Thanks so much for joining us, Garnet. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. Happy to have you with us. Stay tuned for The Christine Upchurch Show, followed by the Susan Harmon Experience and American Road Trip Talk with Gary Mance. Bye now. Mm -hmm.